folks. Here we go. Incendiary Radio on the Republic Broadcasting Network. <clears throat> We're live. The rigged Super Bowl Sunday, 2-11-24. Um, you know, it. the way I'm, there's gunshots going off over here and everything, you know, since the St. Louis Rams left, everybody jumped on the Chiefs uh, train. And so all these people around, you know, repping the Chiefs, even though it's on the other side of the state, but that's how people are. You know, this whole build up to this week of this Super Bowl, you know, the Taylor Swift baloney, and it's just. You know, the bread and circuses aspect and how many people still believe it's all real. And so I I got some notes. Catherine Austin Fitz and Travis Kelsey's mom. Put them put them up together. Pictures of them two up together and you'll get a little chuckle. Catherine Austin Fitz and Travis Kelsey's mom. You know, the tight end for the Chiefs, who's Mr. Pfizer and got paid all those millions to pump the the shots. <clears throat> and so let me see here. Taylor Swift at the Grammys. So there was a whole thing that a lot of people, it probably went right over their head or right by them without them noticing. There was a cocktailed with this buildup of this week with this psychological like group think operation that we call professional sports but this 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 super bowl was i mean really built up by the media all the billions and bets it's in vegas and all the rest but this whole thing with the grammys so Taylor Swift, I guess, broke some records for how many albums that she's had, you know, where she wins the Grammy. And so you have Jay-Z, which is Beyonce's hubby, for those of you that really don't follow this pop culture stuff, and Drake, another half-Jewish Canadian rapper, black half-Jew. They both, you know basically said the Grammys was rigged and it doesn't, you know, blah, 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 blah. So there was a racial kind of a, let's just say a a racial tension psyop there to where you had all the black people in kind of the rap and R&B circles that are pissed because Taylor Swift, the the Zena LaVey kind of look alike, blonde, blah, 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 princess type has won all these Grammys and so forth. So there was a there was a racial tension psyop there. And then, you know, if uh, Sam, if you want to get clip one ready, and I just saw this this morning. Because um, there's this. You know, and I mentioned this last week, all this stuff floating around about Taylor Swift and the Illuminati and she had to sacrifice a kid and all this weird stuff. You know, you see this kind of in our sector to where 
a certain amount of us kind of get sucked into that and that kind of trail to where we really and I look I research it those of you guys that listen to me any for any period of time I research those circles of people just because just like I do the Q stuff because it's a legit um let's say cultural phenomenon to where like there's a lot of black people that listen to rap that have gotten sucked into the thing with um, sacrifices and people dying in strange ways and people having to give up, let's say sacrifice somebody close to them type thing in order to achieve that um, stratosphere level stardom type thing. And so, um, this clip, though, this this was in a much larger video. You know, uh, there was, you know, Monkey Works and all these guys that track air kind of um, aircraft movement and that sort of thing. They were warning about something going to go down. Now, look, just because the game's over doesn't mean that there's not going to be some sort of an op that still happens. OK, it's I think they're on. I think they're on Pacific time or mountain, one of the two. There. So they're back behind. They're, it's either eight or nine at night over there in Vegas right now. And there's still plenty of time for some sort of an event to happen if there was one planned. It didn't necessarily have to go off at the game. So keep your eyes peeled because there's going to be who knows how many people out in the streets. So you've got a shooting fish in a barrel um, sort of um, thing happening right now. If somebody was to act a fool and and there was some op planned, Um, you know, and I'll cover a little bit, but Joel Osteen, the big Lakewood church down there in Houston, there was an active shooter uh, this morning. And so I'll, I'll try to cover that in a little bit, but you wonder you know, is there any kind of um, if there is some sort of black ops type people behind the scenes, if there's any type of, you know, um, predictive programming there this morning, this happens. And then if they've got something planned for tonight, let's just hope that there isn't you don't like to get you don't like to see a bunch of normies killed like we had at the Las Vegas massacre or whether you believe a bunch of people died or, you know, you can get into that, but whatever, you know, what happened at at Vegas with Mohammed bin Salman and the whole thing with that country, uh, country music concert and all that, that character from the Mandalay Bay and all that stuff. I mean, it seems like it was so long ago, doesn't it? Um, but to get into the kind of weird things here with the number 13, especially in Taylor Swift and then this Super Bowl, this is just kind of an interesting thing I stumbled upon. Go ahead and roll uh, clip one. So you guys really, really want to know uh, some strange things about Taylor Swift and some strange numbers leading up to the Super Bowl and more. Check this out. I was born on the 13th. Is this a coincidence? I think not, but you tell me. I turned 13 on Friday the 13th. My first album went gold in the U.S. in 13 weeks. Every time I've won an award at an award show, I've been seated in row M, which is the 13th letter, or like the 13th seat, or the 13th row, or the 13th section. It's really a good number. Wait, hold on. There's more. You guys know what Super Bowl is? She's 58. 
You know what five plus eight is? Thirteen. It's Taylor Swift's album called Thirteen. Yo, dang! You guys know the date of the Super Bowl? It's the eleventh yeah. of February. 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 Eleven plus two. <laughs> yeah. Yo. Who, who are they playing? The 49ers. It's four plus nine. Dude, come on. Thirteen. Just saying. What seed are the 49ers? The one seed. What seed are the Chiefs? The two seed. No. The three. One, one three. three. Tokyo to okay. the Super Bowl. What does that mean? A flight from Tokyo to Las Vegas. 13 hours. 13 hours. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. What the f- You know how many games Taylor okay. Swift has been to? 13. 13? 12. This is the 13th? Yeah. The Super Bowl will be the 13th. <laughs> is, this, is this all true? Yeah, no, this is this all for happened. real. Brock Purdy's jersey number is 13, so that's 8. The funny thing is, in numerology, 13 actually symbolizes good luck. If you made it this far, there's absolutely no way you watched all of that and thought to yourself, hmm, that's just a coincidence. Interesting, right? All these numbers and how they operate and the witchcraft that goes on behind the scenes, the psychological uh, you operation. It's uh, kind of interesting, though. <clears throat> now, I don't know if I'm going to put Sam to work tonight because I've got the Putin Tucker interview. And I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different little timestamps that I've given <laughs> Sam. Uh, but I don't know if I'm going to get into that yet. Um, it's Alex Jones's alleged 50th birthday today as well. So he uh, he was off today, and he had Owen Schroyer filling in. Um, you know, this year is the 40th anniversary of the Terminator movie that came out in 1984, which is kind of an interesting year of release. I still remember my aunt. My aunt took my sister and I both to see that movie, and it was pretty it was pretty earth shattering for me as a teenager, a young teenager to see that movie just because of the the kind of like the the real mind screw that it does to you it's the Matrix and Terminator are you know very fascinating as as far as layers. But the, the the thing with the Terminator that really screws up a young mind is, so this guy, Reese, he goes back in time, and he's buddies with this guy, John Connor. He goes back in time uh, because a Terminator, they found some way to travel back in time. So a Terminator gets moved back, and who's played by Schwarzenegger, of course, and this Reese character, he gets time warped back to try to save this woman, Sarah Connor's life, who was John Connor's mom, right? Played by Linda, Linda Hamilton, I want to say maybe. But and so he ends up, you know, being in love with her and all this. And then he ends up being John Connor's father, which is the strangest twist and and a, and a kid trying to wrap their mind around that. So he's buddies with the guy. He travels back in time to, because the Terminator already was going back there to kill his mom and thereby this, this John Connor character um, 
wouldn't be able to lead this resistance in the future. And so, I mean, it was a really, really brilliant, um, whoever thought of that. I mean, but it, as a kid trying to wrap your mind around it, you're just like, wow, that's just crazy. So it's the 40th anniversary this year, which is fascinating, all the things that are happening this year with the AI and how it's just become this household term. You know, those of us in the kind of the conspiracy realm, hell, we've been talking about AI. I've been talking, I was I was reading and stuff on AI before I even went on the air. Because I was into like Bible prophecy stuff and Tom Horn and all that. And I remember reading Forbidden Gates and all that stuff. I don't know when Forbidden Gates, I have like four or five copies of it, but uh this was back before Tom Horn even started his own network when he was on Prophecy in the News. This is probably while J.R. Church was still alive. But so I I got exposed to the transhumanism, the genetic stuff, the robotic stuff, and the artificial intelligence stuff probably back I don't I don't know how long ago I got, you know, um exposed to it, but a long, long time ago. And you know, uh, Terminator was really kind of based into AI too these these kind of uh, hunter killer robots and all that stuff this stuff was all programmed but it was it was artificial intelligence um so it's just the 40th anniversary of the terminator and if you get into the number 40 especially like in the bible and in islam you you it's this kind of uh year of maturity you know, the Israelites had to march around for 40 years in the desert. And if you get into, like, Islamic kind of theology about the number 40, it's like a man is at his, his, his fullness. And then it's the 40th anniversary of the Terminator, right when there's a lot of this kind of RoboCop-ish stuff that we're seeing coming down the pike towards us very, very swiftly. Um. So let me see here. I'm trying to keep some of this together here. And I, I wrote this down in my notes with Taylor Swift. And if you uh, to, to think of these people like in this industry that are controlled at this level, think about the the anti-white kind of um, just – plethora of manifestations everywhere we're having with anti-whiteness so right now taylor swift she's always dated these white guys right these kind of like entertainment type white guys I, I, I don't know if she was with a hockey player or what but i don't really keep up on her life like that but just think if they really wanted to I mean, think of all these Swifty little girls running around that are, I mean, they live for this table. Just think if they really, the, you know, these mind control masters really wanted to go full blown with the, 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 the interracial kind of stuff to have, you know, so she, Taylor Swift makes her way into the NFL dating this Travis Kelsey guy who... If you know anything about him, he's previously dated some kind of like black Instagram girls. And so now with 
Travis Kelsey. We'll see what happens between, between these two. A lot of people think this is an arranged type thing, but this popped into my mind kind of as a racial psyop thing. If if they tell Taylor Swift, now you're going to date uh, kind of a black NFL guy and think about the racial um, underpinnings and the racial kind of uh, things that would happen in the minds of millions of people. This, this little, you know, blonde-haired princess, porcelain doll princess. And, and and there is a large swath of people in alternative media that kind of believe she could be a, a castrato type of a trans, you know, transgender. But, like, when they do this to these kids when they're young – then it, before they develop into puberty and all that, I guess they can they can become very very much more passable as the uh, not the genetic gender they are, but the one that they want to portray. And so there is Taylor Swift. You know what TS means, transsexual. So there's there's just like with Michelle Obama. There's a bunch of people out here that believe tra- Taylor Swift might be born with male DNA. Let's put it this way castrated at youth and then raised as a girl type thing. They call these castratos. Okay. Kind of an interesting whole thing to go down here. Um, Jill Biden and Douglas Emhoff. Okay. So you, 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 we've, we've seen this stuff dump with (laughs) this Robert Herr character, this Asian special counsel type uh, guy that investigated the old man for his, all of his documents in the garage by the Corvette and all that up there in Delaware. And he had him elsewhere too, I guess in the Penn center. Um, but, you know, for something, because I've heard a lot of people talking about, oh, Jill doesn't want to give up power. She loves being the first lady and all this. And do you remember when Jill and Douglas Emhoff and the floor of Congress, when they walked up to each other and they gave them gave each other a big kiss on the lips? And, and I talked about it on the broadcast, but it was strange. And I'm like. I'm wondering if Jill and, and Emhoff are some, got something going on the side there, because uh, Kamala is such a a wreck, such a just a, a vacuous, vapid person that. You know, he's just he's just. He's this Jewish entertainment lawyer. I, I think I might have lost contact for a second, but. Okay, well, so, yeah, Sam said they lost me for a second. But, yeah, she's very vacuous and vapid. So I, I wonder whether these two have some sort of deal in the background. Um, Jill and uh, Mr. Emhoff, this Jewish entertainment lawyer, uh, and what kind of power they're exerting behind the scenes in the administration. I, I, I wonder about them. Um, you know, everybody's talking about them putting in Michelle Obama, okay? And 
you know, David Axelrod, as of right now, he's like, no way. They're not putting in Michelle Obama. Uh, and this is up on Gateway Pundit uh, from today. Michelle Obama not running for president in 2024, claims ex-Obama senior advisor. So we had the whole thing with James O'Keefe and that guy from the IT, kind of the information security for the White House and that, that whole kind of whistle blow, well, the undercover video where the guy gives up the goods and he's like, there's no way Michelle Obama's running. She doesn't want to get sullied by the whole thing. She already did the eight years with Barack and blah, blah, blah. So Axelrod emphatically dismissed the idea that Michelle Obama would seek to replace Joe Biden as a Democratic nominee. Um. She was never interested in political life, even when Barack Obama was a young politician. She really didn't participate much in his campaigns. I was with him in a Senate campaign in 2004, blah, 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 blah. So Axelrod's really trying to play this down. Now, I know Roger Stone and Joel Gilbert and all these people, they're trying to really say, oh, yeah, yeah, she's in. I'm not so sure. I Hillary's been back into the mix you know, and she's calling Tucker Carlson Putin's little lapdog. It's like, lady, you and Obama and them sold all that uranium one during while you were secretary of state and Obama's president and all that. And you're going to call somebody's la uh, Putin's lapdog. And then Obama gets caught on the hot mic with Medvedev. Hey, after my election, I'll have much more flexibility and all this. You know, none of this got brought up by Tucker, which. You know, some there was a lot of things that Tucker did not bring up, which and what's crazy is Putin insinuated like two or three times that Tucker was CIA. If you really, really watched the uh, undertones um, when when Tucker's like, hey, who blew up the Nord Stream? He's like, you did. And, and it basically, and, and Tucker's like, well, I had the day off. But he's basically like you and your buddies and the CIA did it. And, and there's a couple other times. And is I mean, I've watched it the full thing twice. And I really need to watch it again just because there's so much there. I mean, it's it's pretty fascinating. And look, there's a lot that I'm totally was like Putin's uh, uh, you, you if the translators see that's the thing when you're dealing with when you're dealing with a, an interview from an American journalist and you you speak English and then you're listening to a, a translation you are depending on that translation to be a hundred percent accurate and this is where a lot of us, you know, I get very leery because I'm like, well, shoot, I'm I'm relying on the translator just as much as I'm relying on Putin himself when I'm listening to him um, and he's speaking Russian and then the translator gives us all the stuff. And so uh, there's a lot that I will uh, empathize with that he said and, and, and everything, but then there were some things that alarmed me. And then, you know, I was listening to David Knight and he was talking about, you know, just because 
just because you don't like Biden or Trump, blah, 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 doesn't mean that Putin's the good guy. And people get caught up in this in the alternative media. There's so many people that want to just lionize Putin like he is just some sort of um, world leader that is just like benevolent. And he's just like has the best intentions for our country and, and the West and everything else. And it's just like I do not agree with that because I think. You know, and I don't necessarily believe Robert Kraft, but if Putin did rip off his Super Bowl ring and just like took off with it, I mean, that's some strange stuff. That's the dude's been in power a long, long time. Okay, and I'm probably after the bottom of the hour. I'm going to put Sam to work, (laughs) and we're going to run through a few of these um, timestamps on this interview. But the bio labs, you didn't bring up the bio labs, this whole thing that got thrown around in our entire alternative media and even into the mainstream, like Fox and so forth. I mean, Newland getting caught like by members of Congress talking about facilities in Ukraine. He didn't mention it. He's he's doing all this bragging on the BRICS, how how great they are and how developing all these nations. I'm like, well, what what's going on with Julius Malima and the EFF gang in South Africa talking about genociding the whites? Didn't say a word about it. Tucker Tucker didn't say a word about it. Um, just strange because you know, I mean, I'm I'm sitting here, um, wondering, okay. Tucker, you gonna bring up uh, you gonna you gonna bring up these kooks in Saudi Arabia that are just openly genocidal to to the whites? And so I, you know, I I really was kind of pissed about that. Um, so let's see what else I was. No mention. Okay. And and I'm gonna we'll probably run by this, and I know we're coming up on break. Um, no mention, you know, Putin bitching about the Poles treating some of the people in in Ukraine bad, but no no mention of Solzhenitsyn, who he's allegedly a big fan of. No mention of um, the Red Terror. None of that. All right, we'll see you guys on the other side of the break. Stay with us. Listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, Tom Bolton for Ease Off. I know so many of you are finding our EZ4 carcass drop and lift an essential tool for your meat processing operation. But today I want to spotlight four of our new products. 
First are right height hog cradles with steel or aluminum frames. Our customers love this back-saving innovation that enhances sanitation and speeds production. Next are beef cradles with stainless steel or aluminum frames eliminate rust and corrosion. We hope you'll compare our quality and prices for this essential part of your processing line. Our cradles are especially effective when used with our power skinner. And finally, our hook tumbler will keep your hooks clean and polished. Easeoff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows, too. Easeoff, LLC, 417-932-6419. Health Simple with Colorado Shieldy. Fact bit number one. What goes in must come out. Whatever we ingest, breathe in, or transfer by contact must be expelled. Expelled directly as burned calories, through perspiration, respiration, or expelled via urinary and gastric channels. Every element that is not properly used or removed by our bodies become toxins. And toxins, as we know, are causal to every disease and ailment. Toxins are what makes us subpar, unable to be at our best. Be your healthy best by cleansing your body of daily and deeply embedded toxins. Live stronger, and we hope live longer. Shilajit, legit Shilajit, that is, like Colorado Shilajit, is perhaps the greatest homeopathic whole body remover of toxins made by Mother Earth. Look for the gold mountain and medical symbol logo in banners on republicbroadcasting.org to watch the full video and see more information. Use code GORBN when ordering. That's G-O-R-B-N. Homeowners, are you in foreclosure, expecting to be served with a foreclosure lawsuit, or suspect your lender has coerced you into an illegal mortgage transaction? A huge number of mortgages made in the last 10 years have legal issues and are possibly defective. State laws and the U.S. Supreme Court have upheld that defective mortgage documents are grounds for foreclosure defense and for counterclaims in favor of the homeowner. If your mortgage has been sold or assigned since closing the loan, it may be defective and you may be paying the wrong party and the lender may not have standing or the right to foreclose or collect payments under the law. If you would like to know if your mortgage is legal or not or know if you are paying the right party, we can help. Our initial consultations are free of charge. We are not attorneys. We are legal researchers and work closely with experienced lawyers who know how to help you find the evidence to help you keep your home. Email Tom at republicbroadcasting.org. T-O-M at republicbroadcasting.org. guess we're going to get sam he's going to he's going to earn his money right now we're going to sam let's get clip two started you see all those timestamps. so um 
I want to, before we get started, you know, a lot of people, I just try to tap around and look at what people are saying, you know, um, talk Tucker was wearing his little red string around his wrist. And you see Putin sometimes wearing, you know, this Kabbalah red string, um, things of this nature. And I, I wanted to talk about Orthodox communism, kind of the Russian type versus the Jew Jesuit communism that we're seeing being foisted upon us here in the, in the West and in Europe, Canada and so forth. So think about this. Xi and Putin, you know, and I've got timestamps about Putin talking about China and really basically, you know, saying how close these two factions are. And, you know, if you get into the John Birch Society, kind of the ancient and not I'm not saying ancient, but decades old and even the modern, they're leery of the Kremlin as still being a place of let's just say clandestine now um, uh, progenitors of kind of Marxist uh, regimes around the world. You can see this with Maduro, Cuba, uh, Nicaragua, and so forth, and their cozy relationship with the Kremlin still to this day, these 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 South American and Central American um, very far left-leaning uh, Marxist regimes. And some of these kind of traditionalist Catholic groups, see, you know, you got, you got to look at this war between Catholicism and Orthodoxy when you look at some of the stuff that happens in Central and South America, because there, there, there is a there is a brand of communism that a lot of these peoples embrace that is very very anti-Catholic, and we know the Jesuits got their own little version of things, liberation theology, and this thing, this sort of thing. But some of these kind of Marxist guys that rise up. They they really go at it with the Vatican. And so I personally kind of think these people are probably under the sway of your Sino-Russian um, version of communism, which is, hey, put the, put the Catholic Church, you know, a boot on their neck because they're going to cause problems. And, and look, the Jesuit order is known for causing problems all over the world. The Jewish mafia, known for causing problems all over the world. But the thing is, you're looking at the Russians and the Orthodox Church. How penetrated are they by kind of the Kabad mobsters and this sort of thing? You know, a lot of people look at Putin as possibly being, you know, compromised by Kabad and some of the other kind of uh, Jewish oligarchs that still kind of operate over there. And so I wanted to kind of get that, you know, Orthodox communism versus Jew Jesuit communism, because the Jesuits have been this great schism, been trying to get that healed through 
violence, force, coercion, ecumenism, whatever you want to call it. These guys have been trying to heal this schism between the Eastern, Eastern and Western churches. You know, they had the whole thing with Constantinople and all this stuff, the fall of Constantinople and all that. Um, so, and I, I want you to think about this when we roll through some of this. Patton versus Putin. Okay. Putin talking about the great patriotic war and all this stuff in this interview with Tucker. And then, so wait a minute, great patriotic war. You guys, you guys been butchering, what, 60 million people, according to Solzhenitsyn, from 1917 till the 40s, when World War II happens and things things go down. So you're in the middle of a 30 years red terror, a Jewish red terror in the, so, in the Soviet Union, where you've killed all these Orthodox priests and all this other stuff. But it's a great patriotic war, and you claim to be this great Orthodox leaders when all these Jews, Genrik Yagoda, Lazar Kaganovich, the Sverdlovs, the, the uh, Rappaport, all these Jewish gangsters, they slit the throat of the Russian people for this whole time, for decades, killed tens of millions, and this is a great patriotic war. And then you and you're sitting here demonizing Hitler and Mussolini and Franco and these guys. It's just like, I mean, this is a real cognitive dissonance here, where you're you're saying that the Soviets, this was a great patriotic war, but it's like, dude, you were under Jewish domination to where, you, and you're talking about oh, orthodoxy. I'm a great Christian, blah blah blah. And towards the end, there's some really weird stuff in this interview, but it's just like. So wait a minute, you're just you're just giving these Jews that dominated your country this whole time and killed tens of millions of your people a free pass? And uh, you're going to go off on uh, the people that were trying to free the world from this menace, this communist menace? Now, even if they did have a few warts and barnacles and everything else, I mean, Antifa was created in, what, the 20s in Germany? Doing the same crap that we see him attempting to do here. So anyway, let's 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 get into a little bit of this, and and I'm just going to kind of go according to these timestamps, uh, Sam. So let's go to the first one at twenty three thirty two. Go ahead, and let's play a little bit of this. Okay, go ahead. My bad, I, I forgot to write that one. So, before World War II, Poland collaborated with Hitler, and although it did not yield to Hitler's demands, it still participated in the partitioning of Czechoslovakia together with Hitler, as the Poles had not given the Danzig Corridor to Germany and went so far, pushing Hitler to start World War II by attacking them. Why was it Poland against whom the war started on 1st September 1939? Poland turned out to be uncompromising, and Hitler had nothing to do but start implementing his plans with Poland. By the way, the USSR, I have read some archive documents, behaved very honestly. It asked Poland's permission to transit its troops through the Polish territory to help Czechoslovakia. 
But the then Polish foreign minister said that if the Soviet planes flew over Poland, they would be downed over the territory of Poland. <coughs> but that doesn't matter. What matters is that the war began and Poland fell prey to the policies it had pursued against Czechoslovakia is under the well-known Molotov-Ribbentrop Pact. Part of the territory, including Western Ukraine, was to be given to Russia. Thus, Russia, which was then named as USSR, regained its historical lands. After the victory in the Great Patriotic War, as we call Patriotic World War II, <laughs> all those territories were ultimately enshrined as belonging to Russia, to the USSR. As for Poland, it received, apparently in compensation, the lands which had originally been German. The eastern parts of Germany, these are now western lands of Poland. Of course, Poland regained access to the Baltic Sea and Danzig, which was once again given its Polish name. Uh, go ahead and stop there. And then forward to 2332. Now, look, Poland, staunch Catholic nation, right? Italy, France, Germany's Zentrum Party, Catholic. Now, a lot of people go into Hitler. Hitler had the, the Concordat with the Vatican, as did Mussolini. And Franco is even closer to the Vatican than both of those two. So, But the Jesuits, look, Jesuits, skullduggery in World War II is, is up into the freaking sky. Okay, Judea declares war on Germany. Remember that? Way, way, way. So the Soviet Union under total Jewish domination. It was a crime to be an anti-Semite in, in the Soviet Union. And so uh, just, you know, the great patriotic war. Now, if this guy was really an anti-communist, now, he, he says in the interview, well, communist parties really aren't allowed to flourish here, blah, 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 blah. But if you get into, like, Fitz Info and some of these guys, they'll show you, like, photos coming out of Crimea and the Donbass where they're putting up freaking, like, symbology of the hammer and sickle and so forth uh, that's kind of hidden. But it's still, you can tell it's the hammer and sickle. Okay, these well, some of these Russian troops are wearing the hammer and sickle around, and so this is like a perestroika deception, this glosno sort of thing, where they don't really want people in the West, like the the American left, which is playing like it hates Putin so bad, Schumer and all these guys. But yet they did the Uranium One deal, all this stuff. And then you got this lionizing of this Jew Zelensky, right? And then and, – and we're going to run into this, but it's just like this is, this is what they're doing. They're sacrificing all of the pro-white forces 
the Azov type dudes and all this other stuff. You, you, you could call them misguided, whatever you want, nationalist Bandarites, whatever you want to call them. They're sacrificing these dudes. They're denazifying. And guess what? This is ancient Khazaria. And they're going to give it back under the control, total domination of Jewry, the Khazars, the Kagans, which is which is another word like as the, the Caesar, the Kagans of, of the Khazars. That's, that's their ruling clique. And then who we have over there, Victoria Newland, who's who's mentioned in passing by Putin in this uh, in this uh, interview. Let's go ahead and play the second part. We're coming to the point where the Soviet Ukraine was established. Then, in 1991, the Soviet Union collapsed. And everything that Russia had generously bestowed on Ukraine was dragged away by the latter. I'm coming to a very important point of today's agenda. Thank you. After all, the collapse of the Soviet Union was effectively initiated by the Russian leadership. I do not understand what the Russian leadership was guided by at the time, but I suspect there were several reasons to think everything would be fine. Hey, pause it there, Sam. This right what he's talking about is when Anatoly Golitsyn and these guys published similar works like the Perestroika Deception, which basically means the Russians decided to change strategies, collapse the Soviet Union, appear to be weak, appear to give up communism, and then suck in all this investment from abroad to build Russia. Oligarchs did whatever they want, blah, 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 blah. It was a real Yeltsin during all this time. Uh, Gorbachev comes over, sets his gang up, the Green Party gang up at the Presidio in San Francisco. And this is when the perestroika deception happens where they're playing like they're not communist anymore. And then they're setting up the West for a freaking fall sometime down the road. Go ahead and resume, Sam. Fine. First, I think that then Russian leadership believed that the fundamentals of the relationship between Russia and Ukraine were, in fact, a common language. More than 90% of the population there spoke Russian. Family ties. Every third person there had some kind of family or friendship ties. Common culture. Common history. Finally, common faith, coexistence with a single state for centuries, and deeply interconnected economies. All of these were so fundamental. All these elements together make our good relationships inevitable. The second point is a very important one. I want you, as an American citizen and your viewers, to hear about this as well. The former Russian leadership assumed that the Soviet Union had ceased to exist, and therefore there were no longer any ideological dividing lines. Russia even agreed voluntarily and proactively to the collapse of the Soviet Union and believed that this would be understood by the so-called civilized West as an investigation. Okay, go ahead and stop it there. And and, and let's uh, go ahead and forward to 2715. Now, 
like I said, a lot of people were covering it this time, kind of in the conspiratorial communities in, in the early 90s. This is kind of like when I started to, let's just say I was I was getting out of the military. I was getting, I was I had a lot going on. I mean, I was a real screwball. But then I, something kind of started to awaken in me, and I discovered some kind of eschatological stuff. I can I discovered Tex Mars and all that stuff, and then I started to kind of, and then John Birch Society, and I started reading the New American and all that, and so they were always leery about this this what happened with the Soviet Union. So so Putin's like, oh, I don't know what happened. Um, these guys all just decided to collapse the Soviet Union, uh, and I don't know why they did it. Blah 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 blah. You see what I'm saying? Um, so he he's he's a this guy's a hardcore psy operator himself, and so uh, supposedly three billion people watch this already. I don't know, um, but let's go ahead and play that next part. You think that happened? Except to say that the West fears a strong Russia, but. We have a strong China the West does not seem very afraid of. Uh, yes, what they about are. Russia, do you think, convinced policymakers they had to take it down? The West is afraid of strong China more than it fears a strong Russia. Because Russia has 150 million people and China has 1.5 billion population. And its economy is growing by leaps and bounds, or 5% a year. It used to be even more. But that's enough for China. As Bismarck once put it, potentials are the most important. China's potential is enormous. It is the biggest economy in the world today in terms of purchasing power parity and the size of the economy. It has already overtaken the United States quite a long time ago, and it is growing at a rapid clip. Let's not talk about who is afraid of whom. Let's not reason in such terms. And let's get into the fact that after 1991, when Russia expected that it would be welcomed into the brotherly family of civilized nations, nothing like this happened. You tricked us. I don't mean you personally when I say you. Of course, I'm talking about the United States. The promise was that NATO would not expand eastward. But it happened five times. There were five waves of expansion. We tolerated all that. We were trying to persuade them. We were saying, please don't. We are as bourgeois now as you are. We are market economy and there is no communist party power. Let's negotiate. Moreover, all right, go ahead and stop it there. And then forward to the next part, I think it's 49-46. Now, this is fascinating because I agree. I did, I've i never liked this NATO expansion idea. Um, I think it's, it's silly. But when you, when you get into the long game, what these people are playing with, with Russia, and he talks about it later on. He's like, and remember the, if you read Oons and, and Mike Whitney, uh, a few months ago, he had that article up, which I covered a couple times, where it's talking about these bastards want to break Russia up into a bunch of smaller states, and then they'll be able to dominate them, um, use them as a bulwark against China, and then plunder Siberia and all the natural resources. You know how many trillions are sitting under Russia richest country as far as mineral and gas and everything wealth in the world 
That's why they don't want this stuff developed. The the West and especially the Jesuits, they don't want a strong Orthodox country. Even though the Orthodox the Orthodoxy might be a veneer, opiate of the peoples, what Marx talked about. Remember. But some of these people decided, you know what, you don't want to just trash these churches because you want to use the opiate of the people to keep them subdued and worried about the next life and, and, you know, building up treasure in heaven and all that stuff. So uh, some of these some of these apparatchiks are like, why do we need to get rid of religion? That's crazy because it keeps people placated to where they're not. Uh, hungry and ambitious and every person on the world trying to get theirs this this might makes right dog eat dog blah 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 you see so some of these thinkers uh they it's just like bush when he comes in is it's like oh what was the what was the what was the thing with the government and the in the faith community partnering together you remember that crap with bush so you know, these people are always tinkering with the relationship between religion and uh, the government. And so we have to realize that the same thing's going on with the Orthodox Church. People people forever were talking about how penetrated the Orthodox Church was by KGB and everything else. And people will talk trash on uh, Patriarch Kirill as being a gangster and being worth all these millions and millions of dollars and blah, blah. I don't know. I can't say that. But you, you read this stuff. Could be propaganda. Let's go ahead and go to that next part. Go ahead and do a... And why the coup? Why the victims? Why threatening Crimea? Why launching an operation in Donbass? This I do not understand. That is exactly what the miscalculation is. CIA did its job to complete the coup. I think one of the deputy secretaries of state said that it cost a large sum of money, almost $5 billion. But the political mistake was colossal. Why would they have to do that? All this could have been done legally, without victims, without military action, without losing Crimea. We would have never considered to even lift a finger if it hadn't been for the bloody developments on Maidan. Because we agreed with the fact that after the collapse of the Soviet Union, our borders should be along the borders of former Union's republics. We agreed to that. But we never agreed to NATO's expansion, and moreover, we never agreed that Ukraine would be in NATO. Alright, go ahead and stop that there. And go to the 5521. I know we're coming up on break, but you see, this is the meddling of the Kagan family. The Newland Noodleman, but she's married into the Kagans. Okay, get into what a, the word Kagan means, and that is the ruler of Kazaria. Okay, so these people wanted to pull Ukraine away from Russia because the breadbasket, the, the 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 soil. This is Kazaria 2.0. This is Israel 2.0. So all the Ashkenazis, they want this land, just like uh, Schneerson said, this is the New Jerusalem. This is the the Jewess State Department in action, peeling away the Ukraine from Russia because they want it as the second homeland, a place to 
uh, run to <laughs> when things take a dump in the Middle East, possibly. All right. So when we come back, we got a few more segments uh, to go through, but I, I thought it was fascinating. And then um, we, we might take some calls at the bottom of the next hour. I'm not sure yet. When I hit that old dusty trail, I hit it hard like to fail. I'm standing on that devil's tail. And I hit that old Broadcasting Network. 